When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network. New shows every day. Find us at thehockeypodcastnetwork.com or wherever you get your podcasts from. Hello, you're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network. I'm Mason Dixon, joined once again by Corey, the Bayou Benders. And this is Habs Nightly, your hub for Habs content. guys we are back we apologize for the uh lack of an episode on uh monday and just kind of you know i've been gone for about a week uh we had some personal things go down on my side of the equation so none of that is on Corey. it's on me um i had to step away for a little bit but well, i was fucking i was tired um <laughs> i'm not tired of making episodes I uh, I just got so caught up um, in work and um, this is this is work, but this is like this is what I I choose to do as like a hobby. Um, but I don't have a day off. Um, I think I'm on. I think I'm on like day nineteen, um, and then I have all that I have all of this week, including the weekend. Um, all the way to next Saturday. And I don't know if I have to work next Saturday or Sunday. So, um, so yeah, I don't, I don't have any days off, uh, for it's going to be over a month by the time I get to a day off. So it's been, it's been a little tough. We've been doing a lot of kegs and it's been very waning, um, on me and my wife. And I've just been trying to be present in, my home life and uh and yeah I'm, I'm i'm very sorry um and i'm gonna attempt to put on an episode tomorrow as well so you might you guys might get a double a double episode uh we'll see yeah so yeah like i said we're, we're gonna try to catch up here and we apologize for you know what what sort of kind of went down but we're back here uh and we got a lot of stuff to talk about. So I'm excited to kind of break that down. Uh, Corey, we're, like, I think we got to start off with uh, Slavkovsky, man. That was awesome. Yeah, uh, it's, it's crazy. We, have, we personally, like me and you, haven't talked in a while <laughs> just because of uh, school and then what's going on. But uh, yeah, great, great fucking goal. But now it leaves us in this weird situation where we haven't seen him um, in what three, no, two games now. Um, but absolutely beautiful goal. 
No, and, you know, about time. Only took five five games, felt like an eternity. Uh, to the fan base, it probably felt like much longer for him. But, like, that was just awesome. Great. Just to- an immediately iconic goal for him and for the fan base. Like, it is, you know, it took off. <laughs> well, in the way the way it happened, too, he brings the puck in. Josh Brown hits him up high, a cheap shot. And then Arbor Jacki comes all the way from center ice to behind the other team's net just to <laughs> kind of get some retribution for Slaff there. And then Slaff picks up the puck, stick handles a bit, and just snipes it. And then the Selly, I think, was the best part of that goal, though. Absolutely. Right Josh Brown's face. <laughs> Fuck you. Fuck you. That's awesome. And then the press con, uh, like after the game, he's talking about laughing at him with Arbor on the bench. And this kid is fucking electric. And it's too bad that he's now been injured uh, the last two games as he was building momentum. But I was jumping, like I was in the library actually in my <laughs> university. We had these little like study. They're like these rooms you can uh, like book. Yeah, like a little copy hole kind of. Yeah, so I was studying for my sociology midterm. And I have my phone like off to the side. I got my computer. So I'm like kind of watching. I'm doing more. I'm watching more hockey than I am studying. I can't lie. And I see Slaff get hit. And then I see him put the puck away. And I was like, let's fucking go. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, like I'm in a room. But oh, my. Like there were definitely some looks like I could be heard throughout the library on like a Wednesday at like, I don't know, like eight 30. It was pretty funny, but I just couldn't hold it in. I was so pumped to see him score. It was great. Um, we had just talked to, it was actually our last episode was kind of like, um, the, the, the predecessor to that game. We had talked with, uh, Richie Flores of Sporty with Corey. So once again, thank you, Richie for coming on and, uh, I wish Corey could have came on and dug a little bit at, at Mason because uh, it seems that when they come on, you're not present and you just talk mad shit about Arizona. Um, <laughs> but uh, we talked we talked about Slavkovsky a little bit, um, and it was just great for him to get his first goal. Um, I'm not going to say because the Coyotes are trash. Uh, just a great look um, and a great like great composure to like to to take the hit um, and then still get back into the game like some some guys i mean maybe not in the nhl but some guys take the hit and it's like okay the, the play's over on my end it's it's time to move you know um uh, but no great great on him to you know to seize an opportunity and find the back of the net and have one of the most iconic uh first goals uh in a while so that was sick great great game by us honestly <laughs> no absolutely and how much – sorry, did you talk about that game? Uh, no, much? we – excuse me. No, I haven't. Um, the the last episode these the, the fans have listened to was was that episode, which was um, recorded the night before the Coyotes played. So it's been a little, a little while since we've talked to them. Um, okay, well, how about we, we – then we have to talk about – and we'll keep it brief just because it has been – like about a week, week or so since it's gone down. But Arbor Jack, I pumping fucking B 
beating the shit out of Zach Cassian. That was unreal. That was on fucking real. This um, kid making himself known. After that, the league's taken notice. I think my favorite part about the fight, it's not even that he won. Um, I, I think like Arbor Jack is not gonna win every fight, but it's his uh, it's his like demeanor to like not back down. When it when it like you know, when it was just kind of like back and forth, a little bit of pushing um before the gloves came off, when they did, you know. Cassian's like backtracking to center ice and there's like that moment of standstill. Right. And this is he a chase him down. Exactly. That's what I was getting to instead of, of like, you know, like the jitters, he fucking just like hit the, hit the start button and just took off at him. And I think, well, and you- I think that's what caught Cassian so off guard, you know, cause I mean, let's be honest, uh, Cassian, he's not, he's not the big, he's not a big fighter but has been known to drop the fucking gloves. And here you go. You got a fucking a rookie. You're not, expe- you're not expecting this guy to charge at us, but the last thing Cassian did, and I believe uh, our buddy uh, Matt Drake talked about it. Uh, Cassian ran Montembeau and nothing was done about it last year. And I don't want to say that this was justice for it because Arbor wasn't on that team, but in a way it is for a fan oh, base. So know that sorry. we have that. That's where I was alluding to. Did you not hear what Jack Guy said after the game? Mm-mm. So he said that he was aware. Ooh. Cassian ran Montembeau. And before the game, he talked to Pizzetta, and Pizzetta told him that Cassian was a technical fighter. Like, he did his scouting report. He knew he was probably going to drop the gloves of Zach Cassian. And he ended up doing so, and we nice. saw – we saw what happened. It was pretty awesome. Um, I'm just shocked you're saying Cassian's not a fighter. What? He's a fighter, but like I don't know. Like fighting's so like gone from the game now that it's just like a once in a while type of thing. You know, I would say Zach Cassian's a fighter for sure. Absolutely. I mean, that's fair. Uh, there's nothing wrong with that. I think, I mean, he's definitely, for each team he's been on, he's been played that role. Um, I just feel like it's been a while since he's, maybe I just haven't watched that Cassian in a while, but it just feels like it hasn't been that many for me to, like, I guess in my mind, keep him as that. But, couple, like, right before COVID, I'd say he had a good string of, a good couple of fights, you know. I guess I just, to me, honestly, I didn't even know he was still in the in the league because I saw, um, fuck, what's the other guy? Um, similar fucking names that were for, on Edmonton went to the Yotes, uh, Cassian being one of them, and um, the other guy did not make the team. He he went for a PTO, didn't make it. Um, fucking blanking on his name, but a former Edmonton Oiler. Um, so I didn't even think Cassian was still around. So, so I guess in, in my favor, it makes sense to not call him a fighter because I haven't seen him in a while. Fair enough. Um, but aside from just dropping the gloves and, you know, picking up, I think, a lot of respect from his teammates, the fan base, even the league. I will, also really picked up his play. Yeah, I would. Uh, he's definitely like solidified. Like if I was one of these like rich people. 
I would and like was just like I'm just gonna throw my money around on jerseys. I definitely just buy a Jack Eye jersey. Oh, absolutely! I would love to get a Jack. There's Sick. so many. My issue is there's so many people I like players I want to get a jersey for right now. Just you know what, dude? Let's just let's just sit back and think about what it's got to be like to be like a young kid who's just got rich ass fucking parents that this Christmas and birthday is going to get like, you know, three or four jerseys combined. Well, on the topic of jerseys, um, do we really want to go there yet? Or do we want to kind of, no, 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 we, wanna... no. Yeah. Let's, uh, let, let's, let's, yeah, I want to talk, talk about Jack guys play on the puck and off the puck. Uh, Look, to start the season, I think there were obvious holes in his game. I think he deserved to make the team. <coughs> Sorry, but there were, like, absolutely reasons he was on the team. However, there were issues in his game. Absolutely. But similar to, to Slavkovsky, and a big reason, I think, why he stuck around, we spoke about this in training camp and the preseason, he gets better and better and better consistently scored his first nhl goal um the next game got an assist um he has three points in seven games not it's not you know you're not it's not gonna it's not eye-popping it's not oh my god he's going on a tear rasmus delin scoring a goal every game right but he's showing that he's able to play a game that's not just like his game isn't purely dependent on if he's physical, he can play off the puck. He can play with the puck on his stick. Mm -hmm. And what I really like about his game is his play in the offensive end on the blue line. So when the Canadians on the rare opportunity, they actually get the puck like sustained pressure in the offensive zone. They get the cycle going. Jack has done a great job of knowing when to pinch and kind of keep the puck in. And he's also done a great job of knowing when to delay and knowing when to take space. A big issue that Habs have had with their defense in the past is, and we see it with David Savard all the time, Chris Weidman, uh, Ben Sherratt was the worst for this. They'll get the puck at the blue line and they'll have space to walk into the middle of the ice. And instead they'll just take a slap shot or a quick snapper or wrister, sorry, from the blue line. Mm -hmm. They just put which, it around the boards. Yeah, which isn't what you want to do. What Jack Eye seems to do consistently is he'll get the puck, and if there's space, he'll, he will take it. He will skate into the middle and then take a shot. And the most important, even though it's so, you know, it seems trivial, and it was very evident in the game against Minnesota because it was our two veteran defensemen who continued to do it, Weidman and, and Savard, Savari being the worst for it. If Jack guy is taking a shot, it's hitting the net. And it's, it's so small and I know it doesn't seem like it's a big thing, but I think Jack, I understands, And so do Harris and Gooley, but we knew they understood this. What I love to see from Jack guys that he clearly understands that shooting for like, you know, accuracy is more important than just hammering a slap shot mm -hmm. and shooting it six feet wide of the net. And then it roll rims out and rolls out of the zone. Right. 
he shoots for the tips, shoots for the rebounds, and quite often the Habs continue and maintain great scoring chances because of simple plays like that. And yeah, I guess what I what I what I'm getting to is Jack Eye's simple game, his simple hockey, the little plays that he's making have progressed to the point in which I think he really does deserve to be here. It's not just a, you know, let's give him a shot. Like, I think he's carving himself a role on this Canadians defense that could become permanent for a very long time. And as crazy as it may sound, because I want to kind of segue into our next big topic here, if he continues to play well, while he's not my first or second choice, with the way the power play is going, you might even have to consider giving him a chance just to see what he'll do. Because, good Lord, our power play, Corey, has been so fucking bad. Yes, it has. Um, last comments on Arbor. Uh, adaptability, I think, is, like, his number one thing, like, to really focus on. Or at least, like, what he's come from from game one to, you know, coming into game eight. Um it's been unreal. And um, like he was saying, you expected the offensive side from Gooley and Harris. And theirs is, I want to say more flashy, like, but Arbor Jack, I, like you're saying, is understanding that it is so much better for him. And I'm not going to say it's a soft shot, but to just put it on the goalie rather than just, you know, the hardest slap shot you can. And it, it doesn't even get close, you know, to the posts. And then, you know, our guys are fighting for it on 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 the, the half wall or whatever, you know. Um, it's giving opportunities for rebounds and um, it's, it's giving a second chance to a to a chance. And. Uh, I don't know if that's some that's something I honestly I, I figured he'd be more of a, a blue liner, but. I love that he skates it in. I'm not going to give a comparison to anyone else because I need to really get away from doing that. Um, But I just, I didn't think that this kid had such a, um, such a, like uh, an off, I I think it's beyond offensive mind, just, but just like an overall mind for the game. Like I figured he would just, you know, be a guy that that caught that stayed on the blue and just just made sure everything was like okay, kind of like what we expected from um from like uh Edmondson when he came in, just a guy that was gonna hang back. Um and I'm actually more than impressed with Arbor Jack I I than than I am Harris. And I think Harris has been tremendous. But and with Harris I don't mean like just offensively, just I'm just so impressed with this kid. Like I'm just when he's on the ice, I'm I'm more or less watching him. It's it's no it's no that's... it's no dig at Harris. I'm just so impressed um with where this kid has come. It it's a Cinderella story and he's just fun to fucking watch. Uh, yeah, that's fair. I think Jordan Harris has been phenomenal, though. And no, he's been like when, when speaking about him, we have to speak about the power play because I think it's absolutely criminal that Harris has not seen a minute of power play time yet. Um, it, it really doesn't make sense to me, considering that even before this kid 
played his first NHL game, we were anticipating him being uh, like growing into like a quarterback of, of, of our power play because our power play has been so dog shit over the years. If it's so bad right now, why not take those chances? Well, I understand that going into the season, we knew that Matheson was probably going to run the power play. And I still think he's going to, when he returns, we knew that Chris Weidman was going to get power play two time, at least because look after last season, I think he earned the shot. Okay. Mm -hmm. And regardless, if you want to look, if you don't think it's his fault, that's your prerogative. It's not just his fault. The house power play has been horrible for years. We have one power play goal in 18 attempts. And that goal came on a four on three in overtime. Okay. (laughs) Something needs to fucking change. Cole Caulfield has five goals this season. He leads the league in even strength goals. He has not scored a goal on the power play. Could you imagine where he would be if we had a functioning power play? It's nasty. And I'm all for tanking. I know that this helps the tank. Okay. I want Connor Bedard or Matt Vemishkov or Adam Fantilli or Leo Carlson. This draft is stacked. Losing games is good for us. I understand that. But you cannot, like, you need to. We've spoken. We need offense. We yeah, cannot. We need, we need to be we need, losing, but we also need to be scoring like two, three goals a night. Like, well, exactly. And you can't build this team and not have a power play. Like it's something that needs to be worked on. Like I know it's going to be, it may still be bad this year. Okay. I'm not expecting a top 10 power play in the league. I'm not even expecting a top 15 power play in the league, but we can't be this bad. Like this is absurd. You have to score power play goals. You cannot turn your power play into a disadvantage. And I'm sorry to throw Chris Weidman under the bus. He's been terrible on the power play lately. He's not mobile enough. I think he knows what to do, but he he's not capable of it. And the way the Habs power play is designed, you need someone that can carry the puck into the offensive zone. And you need someone that can shoot up and down the blue line. And he's just not mobile enough. We have Two defensemen who absolutely are in Caden Gooley and Jordan Harris. Which we and, talked about the last time you were on, we talked about their abilities to get the puck into the zone and like deep into the zone, like carry well, it. And, and Gooley's done well. Has he, have they scored yet with Gooley on the power play? No, that's what I mean. It's not just the defensemen. Something needs to change. They need to do a better job of creating sustained zone time. Like this drop, like how many years are we going to have to watch? How many seasons has it been the same thing to have skate the puck in with their defenseman who then drop passes it to a forward and then they skate skate the puck in and try to dangle through everybody? It doesn't work. No. Unless you're Connor McDavid, it's, that's not, it's not a good way of doing it. Like you're, you're allowing the defenseman time to set up at the blue line and basically get ready to stop you. If that defenseman's going to swing the puck behind the net, skate up, they should skate all the way up. Mm-hmm. Or they should pass the boards to a little outlet and get a quick one too, because every time they do that, it works. But 
you know, the amount of time the Habs lose on the power play, just trying to set up, it's ridiculous. They'll lose 30 seconds if they don't win the draw. Yeah. And <laughs> even if they do win the draw, like we saw last game against Minnesota, the puck will bobble over Chris Weidman's stick. Mike Hoffman's no better. No, he's been tough too. He needs, I know he's a power play specialist, but the guy, like, I don't know what he's doing. If you pass him the puck on the blue line, he takes a shot every single fucking time. It kills the play. He'll be skating backwards and he'll go for a fucking wrist shot. So, look, I understand what they're saying, you know, like, oh, you know, we just need to get confidence and this and that. But this has been an issue for years. Alex Burroughs has been on the bench for a while. It hasn't changed. And I'm not purely blaming that on Alex Burroughs because it's been like this for, like, like I want to say. Longer than Alex Burroughs. Like, like almost a decade, we have not had a top 10 power play. Mm-hmm. It's been a consistent problem. But when you have Cole Caulfield, Kirby Doc, who isn't even on the top power play, which is fucking ridiculous. Nick Suzuki, Sean Monaghan. Mike Hoffman, like you need to have a, a decent and acceptable, at least an average power play, and the Habs don't. And I think a simple switch is to just give the young guys a chance because you're not losing anything. Who cares? No, our percentage right now is like a 4.76 on the power play, where um, according to hockey references, league average is 20.08. Um the average on goals in a power play for the league is five. So um, we're, we're bottom of the barrel. If honestly, I, I'm sure that's exactly where the fuck we are, but I don't see why we don't make a risk and change it up because we're honestly, it's not even a risk. We're not, we're not successful. Don't fuck with the penalty kill. The penalty kills right where you want it, but the power play um, play with it. Play with it. Jesus. Well, seriously, like, I don't care what they do at this point. They just need to change it. And rolling the same thing out over and over again, like, the definition of insanity is to do the same thing over and over again and expect different results. Like, that is what the Habs are doing right now. Like, if te- if teams are doing, like, if, if, if they got everyone in the room and they're going over you know, like who to look out for in the games and shit like that. And then they, you know, they, they go through that and they, they talk, they break down our games and shit like that. They're not breaking down our power play anymore because it, like you said, it's been the same. It's been the same well, thing. I just think that like forever. Like you don't, I, go ahead. When I say that Arbor Jack guy should get a shot, I'm not saying it because I think Arbor Jack guy is going to be a power play guy in the NHL. I don't I'm not delusional. But I just want to see them change something. And obviously, my main, like I'm, a, I'm an advocate for Jordan Harris, who played 25 and a half minutes against the Minnesota Wild. Martin St. Louis even said, he's not just playing it because we need someone to. He's playing it because he's earned those minutes. Mm-hmm. And he's proven that he's mobile. He can pass. He hasn't scored yet, but it's not for lack of trying. Him and Gooley consistently, too, have you noticed? They'll make these... Like they'll make these plays where they'll expect a one, two, or they'll kind of like activate into the play and they'll be like driving the net. I think Habs players just aren't used to it. So often they get missed, but 
you know, eventually people are going to catch on. The players are going to catch on. And I think both of those guys are going to put up a shit ton of points. And if you put Harris on the power play and he doesn't succeed, what have you lost? We've scored one goal all year and Weidman wasn't on the ice for it. It was four forwards. I think Harris, like, like I said a couple of weeks back, like how I thought Harris played the really flashy game and shows shows immediately immediate skill on doing shit like that. Why not? You know, I don't think that it's going to be something flashy that that surprises people and us get a goal. But I mean, definitely the same fucking thing we've done for years isn't isn't doing it for us either. So why not? Like, I think the kids have a lot to show you know, this team, oh, I mean, the, you know, the the guy who fucking comes up with the power play that, that they can carry their own type of shit. And I'm not going to say like, you know, don't listen to your coach, but um, I think they, I think that they could surprise, you know, uh, Burroughs and the organization, you know, just giving them a chance out there. They've given them a chance so far this year and uh, it's been fun watching them. Why not? give them more time. I, I do think it's sinister. Uh, zero minutes for Harris. I think that's, that's just a bit unfair. No, I think it's when Kirby doc, not, not getting the opportunity late against the Minnesota wild too. Yeah. the empty net. That kind of drove me a little bit crazy. Um, now there's definitely some personnel uh, choices that I haven't agreed with lately. As much as I like, I'm not calling for Marty St. Louis' head at all. Absolutely not. I think he's doing well. <laughs> I just think like uh, I like right where he's at. I just think, and I don't even I, want I to see Burroughs yeah, leave. Like, just just change up the style. It's not working. I just it, want to see something. It's a outdated. More. It is so outdated for this era of competition. No, absolutely, and I guess. It's, Maybe if you had like fucking, you know, like the, the best defenseman in the fucking league. Sure. But we don't, you know. I just think like I like I know like I know people that really hate Chris Weidman. I know people that are, you know, love him. I'm kind of in the middle. I get he's a great veteran presence. I like that they resigned him. I think that <coughs> sorry, holy. Um I think that, look, when Edmondson and Matheson come out, I don't think he's going to – I think he may – his his play may earn it, but I don't think he'll be the odd man out, to be honest. I think they'll keep him on the team. They gave him a two-year deal. I think it was great. I think David Savard has been far worse than him, to be perfectly honest. I think Weidman's play five-on-five five has been fine. I think he's done decently. But he's not, he's just not a power play guy. I just don't see it. So I don't think he meshes with this young. I just, the young I just think on the power like, play is what he is. He's a sixth defenseman. He's a bottom pairing defenseman with some upside. If you play him bottom pairing, he'll, he'll, he'll overachieve. He'll put up points. He can do that in a pinch. If someone goes down or if things not working, throw Chris Weidman on the power play. Sure. He's not incapable of it but he should not be your first option, especially when you're trying to grow guys. But speaking of first options, um, look, I am not the biggest betting man 
But when I do, I do have a first option. And I believe they have a message from us for us to say to the listeners, and that's our friends at DraftKings. Absolutely. Hockey fans, it's finally time to hit the ice again. And thanks to DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL, you're in for the season of a lifetime. New customers can bet $5 on any team and get $200 in free bets if they win. Um, I'm really eyeing up, I think, an easy game. Jesus, I don't even want to call it easy. But uh, Bruins over the Red Wings tomorrow when you guys hear this. Um, let's see what else. I think a tough game is going to be Blues versus the Predators, but I think the Blues will be able to squeak that out. Oilers over the Blackhawks, even though the Blackhawks have, for some reason, have been dominating. Um, but I think the Oilers can find their way to get it. At least I need some fantasy points off of that. Maple Leafs and Sharks. Who gives? I don't want to pump the Maple Leafs tires, but goddamn, the Sharks have been struggling. And I know because I I carpool with my cousin, who is a diehard Sharks fan, and he fills me in every day about just how bad they are. But uh, if that wasn't enough excitement, you can turn small bets into bigger payouts with same-game parlays, combining multiple bets like which team will win, how many goals will be scored, and more for your shot in an even bigger payout. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable. You can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. So y'all remember to download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code THPN, bet $5 on any NHL team to win their game and get $200 in free bets if they do. That's promo code THPN, like the Hockey Podcast Network, at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See the show notes for details. So, yeah, Mason, uh, where were we at? Well, I I kind of want to talk about you know you were beating the power play into the ground here, beating a dead horse. But yeah, let's uh, uh let's move. Before, on. We'll just keep running before, that in a circle. <laughs> yeah, before we kind of end things off with the reverse stretcher jerseys, I want to um talk about Jake Allen. Okay. Uh, Jake Allen has, you know, I think like no one's expecting a Vesna performance, and then we talk about him a lot. Jake Allen is my God. Does he have the potential to ruin the tank? <laughs> He's been great. Nine thirteen save percentage, four games, two point seven seven goals against average. And honestly, I think he's been in. He's kept us in every game he's played. He's just been absolutely lights out. No, he has. Um, I'm actually eyeing him up in fantasy. A lot of people don't grab him, and um. You know, I'm trying to help my cousin out a little bit with his team, and I said, grab him. He might not get you a bunch of wins, but there's going to be a lot of shots against him, and he's going to have a great save percentage. My God, two things in our league. So, no, absolutely. I don't like, he scares me because. I just think, oh, my God, like he might steal some games for us this year. I know we spoke about it before, so we'll keep it brief. But against Minnesota in particular, 30 saves – or, sorry, 28 saves on 30 shots. Against Dallas, he let in five goals, but my God, dude. Like they were all – like we saw the Pavelski – every goal Mm -hmm. Pavelski was unavoidable. He looked great too. Arizona, he was phenomenal again. Detroit, 38 saves. Remember that game? He made yeah, like 25 saves in the first period. <laughs> Allen has been 
very solid this year. And I think he's probably going to be here to stay. We spoke about it, but I do have to ask because, you know, we're already, it's the NHL. There's already goalie controversies. If he continues to play this well, sits around the 915, 910 save percentage on a terrible team, what are the odds do you think that Kent Hughes ships him at the deadline for a first-round pick to a team that wants to make a run but doesn't have a goalie? I think they're high. Uh, I think it's unfortunate because we've grown to love Jake Allen, but I think it's high, honestly. Um because you got to look at the value that he's going and the upside that he's going to give to any team looking to just solidify their goalie potential. And if we stay below average this year and he just proves that it doesn't matter, you know, if the team's crumbling around him, he's still going to go out and have a phenomenal night. Teams notice that they're going to want that. And we're hungry for picks. I mean, you know, they're, what they talked to us when Hughes and uh, Jeff Gordon came in, um, none of that's changed. You know, they're still looking to make this team their own. And as much as Jake Allen is like our beloved goalie right now, if they can get something big in this great draft next year, they're going to go for it. And it'll just force – you know, if they believe, well, I think it's if they believe Primo's confident in his play, which he should be, but I think it's they given him enough time. And I said that uh, in the beginning of this season that I think, you know, he's got he's got a little bit more of a window for him himself to to prove he's ready to come up or they're going to force him up. And this could be one of those situations if they get a good draft, if they get a great opportunity to send Jake Allen somewhere for a top pick. I wouldn't be surprised if it happens. And they look at Primo and say, your time's now to prove that you got it. No, I think that's fair to say. Um, I also think if Hughes is, you know, if the Habs are in a position to get draft picks for old assets, they're going to do it. I think that's what Hughes has said he's going to do. I think it's what it's proven that he's going to do. I don't think, however, that the Habs will actively shop Allen. No, I think I think the same thing that we've seen in the past. Uh, Not looking to send him, but if someone is gung ho on on making you know making offers to them and it works out for them in their favor, it's going to happen. I don't think they're going to be like Jake Allen's on the on the you know the chopping block. I'll put it this way, okay? If you look around the NHL right now. And just kind of look at the landscape of the league. I know it's early days, but every single fucking year, there's going to be a goalie that comes out of nowhere, plays well. There's going to be a goalie that dis- there's going to be a couple goalies that disappoint. Right now, it's Thatcher Demko. Fuck that guy and the Vancouver Canucks. <laughs> Drafted him in like the fourth round in my fantasy league. <laughs> but regardless, there's going to be a team. Like the Edmonton Oilers, perennially, like every single year, they, they're there. Colorado, Gorgiev looks awesome, but you never know, right? Um, Who else? Like, you don't know what's going to happen with injuries. Minnesota, Flurry looked great against the Habs, but both their goalies have been terrible this year. There's going to be a team, teams, plural, that are going to look for goalies. I don't think a lot of teams are in a position 
to offer one the way the Habs are. Not a lot of really bad teams have really good goalies. And to say Allen's elite is, you know, absurd. You're lying to yourself. But he's a solid goalie who's won a Stanley Cup. I think he plays above what's expected. Absolutely. I won't call him elite, but I think he's like, every year, (laughs) he's playing way above his ceiling. I think legitimately in the NHL at any given time, there's about 20 starters. Okay. Mm -hmm. 20 guys who are legitimate starters, maybe a few more, maybe a few less. And then there are starters who can start, but probably shouldn't. Maybe they split the net. Right. Yeah. There's 32 teams in the NHL. There's always teams that need starting goalies. That's why you see goalies get recycled over and over again. The Leafs are a great example. They don't have a starting goalie on their roster right now. Matt yeah. Murray and Ilya Samsonov are not going to get it done. And if a team like the Leafs comes calling and you have Jake Allen, who I think is one of those 20 starting goalies, the price you can ask for is it's high. If a team thinks they need a goalie and Kent Hughes has one of the – like. I know like, it's just the way the marketplace works, and I think we've established that Kent Hughes is good at playing it. So, no, I don't think the Habs – like, I guess what I'm saying is I don't think the Habs will shop him, but I would not be surprised if he continues to play this way. That He's going to get play. offers. They're definitely going to get offers on him. I'm sure there's already offers, to be honest. So I guess my question to you now would be, Yes, we, we kind of both agree the Habs would, t- if someone makes a great offer, they'll take it. Mm-hmm. Do you think he gets traded by the end of the season? I don't think so, um, but but I wouldn't be surprised. I still don't think he's, he's going to get traded, but I think um, if someone offered it and it's, uh, it's bigger – like I look at like St. Louis's Villy Huso last year, and I know he got traded for I want to say a second or maybe a third round pick. Um, he's obviously young, but he had a tremendous season, forcing Bennington out of his like role for a little bit, and he went to Detroit. Yes, Detroit. So. I don't think Huso's on the move, to be honest. No, 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 no. I don't. I'm, I'm not saying like he's going to get moved or anything. I was just using that as like a, a, I guess an example, like a guy that was just hot as fuck. Like Detroit wanted him. You know, they they made asset moves for him. Um, and I think actually, I think Thomas Grice was there, and he's now the backup for Bennington or something like that. Um, but that wasn't involved in a trade. I'm just saying that, like you're saying. If someone wants a goalie, they're gonna they're gonna ask for it. And in a situation like us that really doesn't have anything to lose, they're gonna take it. They they're gonna move with it. And I don't think he's gonna move. Um, because I just don't see us bring up Primo like that, but I wouldn't be surprised. These uh Hughes has definitely shown that they will. They have no problem flipping um, what every, everyone's expectations are for this team. And I'm here for it. No, absolutely. I kind of agree that I don't think uh, Allen's going to get traded this year. 
but I don't know if I'd put money on it. I just get the um wouldn't be surprised, I guess. I get the impression that Ken Hughes is probably with the multi-year extension he signed and with the comments he's made. I think there's been a discussion. And I think the plan is to kind of transition Primo in. Mm-hmm. And I think it's an interesting discussion that the Habs are gonna have to have over the coming, you know, season and into the future. And it's a conversation I don't think Habs fans have ever really had. And it's kind of where I want to end things off here today. Um, Carey Price was drafted by the Montreal Canadiens in 2005. And I was three years old. I was 13. Yeah. And since that day, there has never been a a question of who's going to be in the net. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, we had that brief debate in 2010 with Yaro Halak, but at the end of the day, the Habs were going to have an elite goalie in the, in the, in the crease. There was going to be someone there. And now for the first time and basically the first time in my life, there is no certainty out at all whatsoever. And that is just the weirdest fucking feeling to me. Um, for those of you who may not pay attention as much, Carey Price obviously went down last or the year before in the Stanley Cup final, has not been back and entered rehabilitation while well, he spoke on the 24th. Uh, so Monday, spoke to the media. And Corey, I don't know if you watched it, but I've never seen Carey Price look that at peace. I saw, I saw clips of it, um, but obviously what I saw was just what the hockey writers basically threw at us, which was, you know, his his talk of, you know, how hard it is and uh, how much of a struggle it is to, like, walk upstairs and, like, to hold his kids. Um, well, my big thing was, like, yeah, he spoke about that stuff, and he said, look, like, he's – He's focused on his quality of life before hockey, but he still wants to play. Look, the guy's not going to fucking retire and leave $42 million on the table. <laughs> I don't, it'd be, it'd be stupid to do so. Yeah. But it's also, I think, very stupid for anyone to assume that Carey Price is ever going to play hockey again. But what really caught my eye was when he said the goal is still to win a Stanley Cup in one capacity or another. Woo! Which makes me think that maybe at the end of his contract, we see Carey Price in the head office somewhere. Mm. And what I really want to focus on, however, and you know, like, you know, acknowledging that we will never see the greatest player of my generation play again for Habs player, at least. Um, also, he acknowledged his his struggle, and, you know, it came out that it was alcohol that he struggled with. And he was extremely candid in an article by Arpon Basu. And just, you know, apparently Arpon, you know, didn't even really ask him about it. Price wanted to speak about it. And I'm not going to break it down entirely, but, for those of you who are interested, it's on The Athletic. I would absolutely check it out. It, it's a great article. Price kind of really breaks it down. And 
you know, kind of speaking about, I think what really caught my eye, what grabbed my attention was him speaking about losing in the Stanley cup. And, you know, he was kind of saying he knew that this was probably his last, you know, his last mm-hmm. kind of hurrah. He was him and he said him and Weber were both basically falling apart and losing that. Like that, it was his last opportunity and it was just, it's a great read. Um, I think it's, it's kind of heartbreaking to know that our, you know, our hero, our franchise player will probably never play for the team again. And, you know, we're going to have questions in that, like we've never had in my, my lifetime or my memory. Cause even before price, we had Cristobal Hue and Jose, like the Habs have not had an issue in that for a mm-hmm. very long time. So it'll be interesting to see what happens after this, but. Yeah, if you haven't already looked like listened to the interview, absolutely check it out. It was great. I've never seen him that at peace. He was laughing, cracking jokes at the media, which you know, price is usually pretty reserved. <laughs> and that article, like a must read, absolutely. Well said. Um, yeah, I kind of want to rewatch it. Um, love to see him in um goalie development. Uh <laughs> fuck. I hope he I hope he does um, you know. I think that they'd be I think they're going to obviously offer him something to, you know, to join in some capacity, because, I mean, why would you why would you not after everything he did for us? Um, and if that's something he's willing and wanting to do, fuck, yeah, you got to jump on that. No, absolutely. I think that <laughs> price, if Price wants a job in the head office, Price will get a job in the head office. Like, it, it's happening. <laughs> yeah, right. It's not a question of if it like it, it's not a sorry not a question of how it's if he chooses to. Man, I'd really love to see that. Honestly, I, I'd love to see him do more of like um, like I'm sure he'll get like a head office job, but like I'd I'd love to see him turn it into some type of a like coordinator or something like where it's more with the players than just um, you know in the office. No, absolutely. Um, and finally, sorry to round things out here. Uh, do you want to talk about the reverse retro or do you want to leave it for our, our next episode? We can absolutely do that. I mean, sure, we can do that. Um, I was my my hopes, you know, it's not really a spoiler. My hopes is that I can land a guest, an impromptu guest. I'll try to record tomorrow and get it out for Friday to see if I can get someone and we'll break down our thoughts on the entirety of this this classes uh this year's uh final adidas you know jersey haul um because they're not i don't think the nhl it's one of them i think the nhl is not re-signing with adidas it's not the other way around um so this is like their last hurrah a great cash grab but some of these jerseys really knocked it out the park like they did the first year um and I like that it's not the same teams that knocked them off the park. I like that. Like some teams are definitely like this year's version might be trash compared to last year's or, you know, two years ago, but that's up to you, Mason. If you got time, you want to talk about just ours, we can. Um, If not, I'll try to have like another 30 minute conversation with uh, all I have to say about ours is that it's, it's ugly. It's ugly. Perfect. It's fucking horrible. It's literally just a shit version of the blue one. And I'm not buying any sort of X. Ex- they're saying it's Expos themed. 
you literally just took the, the navy blue and lightened it to sky blue and said this is the expos you couldn't even change the the red habs logo it's like no. the i honestly think it's one of the ugliest reverse retro jerseys purely because of how unoriginal it is so from what i saw well the description of it was it was supposed to be the colors of the montreal maybe not skyline but it was like it's supposed colors to or some shit it's supposed to be the montreal expo yeah which is so me and richie talked about it last episode and i went in deep onto how i thought it was a cop-out because they were afraid to touch the crest which don't touch the crest my thoughts were if you were gonna go expose and do like honor a different a completely different fucking league different sport then why not give us the sick um fat bubbled script montreal across the jersey or give us something different than i would have much rather seen the i would have rather seen the you know like the green cac oh with the 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 leaf yeah like you didn't even have to Mm -hmm. i don't know you didn't even have to come up with a new idea because that's not a new idea right yeah all you did was just swap the colors now granted it was so inventive the last time we saw it because when the fuck were we ever going to see that and all they did this time was like, you know what? Let's honor a team that no longer exists that everyone still loves. But but just do the same thing. It honestly, to me, when I saw it and I saw the back of it, I like it. Okay, it, it's I, I think it's I think it's sharp, but it is not impressive enough for me to buy it like the last one was. And to me, it looks like. 20 i want to say it's 2019 or 2020 all-star game where it was in st louis where it was just the gray and white jersey um and it just like the only thing that was colored was the crest it reminds me of that with just instead of it being gray and white it's just uh you know uh fucking what do they call it pastel blue or um powder powder blue and blue Powder blue and our dark blue. There's nothing. There's nothing to indicate that it's an expos. Like it. It may just as well be a fucking Manchester City homage. Like all you did was make it light blue. It's just fucking stupid. I hate it. But anyway, I, th- um, I think it's tough. I think it's tough. You needed to. You needed to play with the crust. Get re- like absolutely. Or even just the fucking. Des- it's the same design of the color pattern. Like in the sense of like the the stripes or this, everything's the same. Mm -hmm. Just change the colors. I could have made that jersey. I could have gone on to like any software and just changed the saturation, changed the color, boom, designed the jersey. It was just fucking horrible. But anyway, uh, that'll be it for today. Uh, We appreciate you guys stopping by, checking us out. As always, you can follow us on Twitter at Habs Nightly and at Bayou Benders. And if you need to or want to, send us a, send us an email at havesnightly at gmail.com. Uh, we'll try to answer everything we can, uh, get back to you if we can. So appreciate the support, and uh, that'll be it from us today. Thank you, guys. Talk to you guys again soon. You're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network. 
New shows every day. Find us at the hockey podcast network.com or wherever you get your podcasts from.